1: hello welcome to this week's episode of the mum and mama podcast brought to you as always by my lovely sponsor golding accountancy we are golding.com if you need an accountant they are your people how are you if this is your first time listening to the mum and mama podcast that's a odd thing to say no. hi i'm amy i'm a single mum and i started this podcast to be something positive in the world of single parenting because unfortunately we do seem to get a bit of a bad rap but it isn't always the worst thing in the world to do it on your own and I just wanted, if people were kind of thinking oh maybe actually I'm really miserable (laughs) Uh, the amount of people I know that aren't happy in their relationships but can't imagine how hard it would be just doing it on your own it isn't always the worst thing in the world trust me you've got to be happy life is too short to be miserable anyway this week i've got the lovely marcus bronzy and funk butcher on from the how to kill an hour podcast i've been friends with well, funk butcher i've known him we were trying to work it out it's got to be 15 years it's probably closer to 20 years um and marcus they do a tech podcast and I wanted to get them on because they won a podcast award because in 2020 they did an episode on Black Lives Matter and um, they quite rightly won the best uh, podcast episode award for it because it's absolutely amazing and I do urge you to listen to it if you haven't already. So I wanted them to come on um, and chat to me obviously about what they do, about their episode but also since then Funk has basically owned twitter the stuff that he's done on there he's been blocked by so many assholes it's brilliant (laughs) but it's you've got to check check out his twitter he he's he's the reason i am still on twitter to be honest but yeah they're um they're lovely i hope you enjoy this chat and i'll see you in a bit work who taught you that trick like round of applause pip did when i recorded i think when we recorded his he was like oh we're just gonna do a clap and i was like why did you do that and he was like oh because then you can marry up the vocals like when you put them into and i was like oh that's a good one so now i ask everyone to do it but no one ever knows what i'm talking about
2: so you just got people (laughs) going like that well done Mm. i haven't done anything yet
1: the amount of people. <laughs> and I always find it really funny and they're like, why are you laughing? <laughs> anyway, today I'm very excited because I'll be trying to get these two on the podcast for about a year, I think, now. But because they're the busiest men in the podcasting stroke Twitter world, <laughs> it's taken bloody ages. It's Marcus Bronzy and Funk Butcher from How to Kill an Hour
3: hello oh. hello
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you for having us i'm like, really excited really to get, get into it today
1: how to kill an hour that's
2: right that's right You're good
1: <laughs> yeah were you shocked when you won or did you think we've got a i
2: was like salary. at last i was like at last yeah. At last, and record no no it was always nice now all joking aside it's always nice to be Recognized amongst some of the best audio produced out there. Because I think some of the best radio is made over here in the UK, in the world. So to be in that conversation for podcasts and radio and to even be nominated, I think, you know, Funk will tell you I was really, really happy with just that. I was like, bruv, I I felt like that was the win. I was like, yes, Funk. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: (laughs) How long have you been doing the podcast for?
2: I think it started in 2015. Really? Um, Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, so the original idea it, it, it was, it was, it started floating around in, in 2015. Mm. Um, and it was, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a long time, it's been a very, 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 very long you time.
1: Were, you were doing kids' TV, weren't you? Were you?
2: Yeah, so my background is like what you would call conventional presenting of that era, I'd say now, because the whole game's flipped on its head in five years, so I was doing a lot of of tv stuff so i was doing children's bbc a show called techno babble which is about tech because i was i was an am into tech and gadgets uh prior to that i was presented on capital extra uh, did loads of stuff over the schedule and then prior to that i was doing stuff on one extra as well
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> he got <bored> of us. <laughs> he's just disappeared
3: it's gonna be
2: a he lot
1: of press the wrong button where is he in the studio?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Where is this? Stu- is it in like a dungeon? No, it's
3: it's like it's in this nice um kind of leafy part of um oh where is it? Like Labbrook Grove? But But oh, okay. like, it's in a studio space, like a whole block. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
3: Yeah, but um, I don't know. The Wi-Fi in there is a bit intermittent, so yeah. Right. I fucking
1: hate zoom <laughs> How are you? Why are you in and Boys? Is this going into
2: the final edit?
1: What our best shit your internet is. Yep. I've just I know. I'll just be about Funk's very intelligent son. Whoa. Which is very lovely. I
2: know um, where his son gets it from, does not he? No, his mum.
1: <laughs> I've had that joke already. Um, how old's your youngest one? How many have you got? Three? Three. Three boys. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So Zane just turned four yeah i know i know you remember when he was born in it yeah, yeah 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 so he's he starts reception this year oh. yeah so he's, he's gonna be with his other big brother yeah, yeah so it's good timing but um yeah. Oh. Night, nightmare the school runs now like two different uh, but he'll
1: get himself to school though won't he the eldest
3: yeah, but, but I've got I've got train. I've got to do the trip with him a few times just to
1: Yeah. Yeah. Course, yeah. Yeah. That's quite scary actually. I don't know if I'd fancy Lola getting on a tube on her own. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, she's got another year yet, but
3: Yeah.
1: You don't think about all these things. No, I know. <laughs> I
3: know.
1: Schools and
3: Yeah. Ugh. It depends if it's you, other... if you've got good ones in your area. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah cuz if not then they have probably got to do a bit of travelling, yeah. The...
2: How
1: old's your kid, Marcus?
2: Thirteen. So yeah, oh. we've done we've done all of that. So
1: yeah,
2: yeah. So I totally agree with you. But I think it's the way that the whole world shifted now. It's just I can't imagine what it's like from like for example from Frank's point of view because it's not just the dangers of the tube or the dangers of public transport or what it's like being young and vulnerable now. There's the whole pandemic yeah. flavor thrown on top of that as well.
3: <laughs> yeah. So can only imagine. Yeah. Like yeah. talking of tech, I was looking at um you know Apple's released this new Apple tag thing. <laughs> What's that? I know, I know where Marcus knows all go. So basically, yeah, it's like it's been marketed for um if you lose your keys or if you lose your phone, it's like a little tag you can put on it and Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. It
3: sends a signal if you lose it in the house, but it works via Bluetooth. Yeah. So I'm scrolling last night thinking, what if I could put it on my kids? <laughs> So your kids are now sponsored by Apple, basically.
2: <laughs> yeah. Send the transmission. But that's
1: out. like having find your iPhone turned on, though, isn't it? Yeah. So 100%. Find them. But then it's if they turn it off. Yeah. Because that's what my mate's son did when he was out with his mates. <laughs> he turned it off, yeah. He's like 14. And yeah. But the they, thing is, know.
2: Yeah. The thing is, at their age, yeah, like the fluency with technology... Even if, even if, like, you know, I call myself kind of tech savvy, gadget savvy, no, going to be nowhere near the level of learning that you have when you're 14. You'll be, whatever you do, they'll be like, yeah, no, I have to turn that off, hack it, send it, make it look like I'm at the park when instead I'm at my mate's yeah. house, whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, they teach me what to do on my phone. And it's like, yeah. I've had a phone since I was 17. I mean, I know, obviously, they've changed a great deal since then.
0: <laughs>
1: but it's like, I, I, yeah, they're it's scary how quick. Yeah, and they do coding at school. Yeah. I did have a brick. Yeah, I did have a brick on orange. I was on orange. I've still got the same number as well. Really? really?
2: Oh, ah, yeah. that's oh, you're you're part really? of the 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 few that still have the same number. Who, yeah.
3: who, who bought orange out? Who was it? One to one. No. No, that was O two bought orange, is not it?
1: I can't I remember. Don't, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, they did, yeah, because then I went over to O two. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: God, that's all really... <laughs> that Orange, orange so Wednesday, cinema
3: thing. Yeah,
2: yes! that was it.
1: Yes, yes. Well,
2: who, well who, who remembers this one, right? So before before WhatsApp and all that, and it was text only, once in a while, the network would mess up and there'd be free text for everyone. it would be like, free text. Yeah. You get the text saying free text. And that's it. You'd be like texting all night long. Now, boy... It's so different now to be able to be so communicative and also another thing about phones when it comes to like the youth as well like I feel like I don't know a lot of people say that oh there's so much technology around but I feel kind of grateful now that phones are kind of a given do you know what I mean they're not a big deal like I felt like having a phone before was like high pressure having a mobile phone but now it's just like whatever and I kind of like that about tech I feel like it's not as um nickable as well do you know what I mean I feel like phones are just like whatever yeah. I in don't it,
1: know.
3: They're still a bit, they're still quite valuable. I mean, but uh, yeah, back yeah, in the day, it did used yeah, to feel yeah. like you're walking around with gold bullion in your pocket. But the yeah. new
1: iPhone costs more than my laptop did. I got my MacBook last year and the new yeah. iPhone is more expensive than my MacBook.
3: Really? Yeah. What, 12?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Okay. They're over a grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It's like, it's crazy. Yeah. Anyway. It is. Anyway. It is.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: no, yeah.
1: Kids TV presenter.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right, so So children's television.
1: Did you go to like drama school and stuff?
2: Do you know what? I actually did I studied media and my intention was to be a producer, someone who was behind the camera. Yeah, yeah. And um what actually happened was is is I I I went to university outside of London and I ended up doing flyering for a nightclub a bit of money because I thought you know give me a bit of extra drinks money whatever going out money and I made sure I did it for the nightclub in the area that played the music that I liked so it was R&B garage at the time and then I think words started to spread that some people had seen me like doing gigs in London or like Funko. Funk, remember this one we like bumped into each other in Ayanapa and stuff like that as well so word spread back to the club and the, the, the university that I went to to kind of like do production with everyone around me was like well if you can DJ you might as well DJ if you can host you might as well host and there's another long story that I won't get into today but I ended (laughs) up you know earning earning my money at university by DJing and then heading straight to the library or straight to lectures after the after party and then getting like my naps in in the afternoon so I was always known as the sleepy kid at uni when I was in lectures like people some I think one lecturer used to say I used to come in plump up my pages and just fall asleep for two hours straight But I was like no I must be learning something though because I'm I'm doing all right (laughs) But um, so, yeah, after uni, I was really interested in creating content. And I was just like, if no one's going to I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do or how to get into the industry. So I just started writing pilot content. And long story short, one of the pilots I wrote was for a tech show that was for younger people. And that got its hand that ended up over at at the guys at Salford whilst i was doing my presenting at, at bbc radio one extra radio one and, and capital extra and they were like well we've actually got a techie idea that's very similar you seem like you know what you're doing do you want to come up and do a screen test did a screen test put on my brightest you know cbbc t-shirt that i had my cleanest you know <laughs> shaven face went up there and and presented it and yeah ended up getting i think it's three seasons of a show called techno babble um, and it was like a great way for me to get into kind of the tech industry as a presenter and also kind of just see how TV works from a presenting point of view and also from a production point of view as well. So that's how yeah. I got into the CBBC stuff.
1: Yeah. And then so how did the idea of the podcast come around then? Because were podcasts that big then? I can't really remember when podcasts start. It was Ricky Gervais, wasn't it? And Carl Pilkington. So
2: yeah, yeah I I I'm Running
1: around Vicky Park,
2: <laughs> Yeah, that's it. So I think they were ahead the of two the game. Times right?
1: that I did it in my
2: life. Whatever, Mrs. Half marathon out here.
1: I did do it. I've hurt me bloody ankle. I've got to do it this weekend.
2: Okay. All right. All right. Well, best of luck for that. So hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, this half marathon would have I been done.
1: done. it by
2: then. Yeah. Yeah. If not, oh we'll just God. wheel you around on a little cart. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: But um. <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll be honest with you now because enough uh, water's gone under the bridge i was really frustrated with radio at the time if i'm honest uh yeah. i loved i love what radio is about and i still love it now and i love all the commercial stations and all of the the um you know public broadcasting stations that we have out there but i was very hyper aware of this thing called spotify and it having this algorithm that we have a lot better of an understanding of it now but this i was like this algorithm can pick songs that i like it can pick songs that you like it can pick songs that Frank like probably better than I could pick them for funk, probably better than I could pick them for you or we could pick them for each other. And then you've got this music team on a radio station who are a group of people and they have to pick songs that millions of people like. It's a really big challenge. So I was like, whilst there's going to be this shift that I could see coming, where is there still an area where content can be made for yourself? And sorry if I'm breaking up a bit, but um, uh, there's, uh, you know, I've got got to a point where I was like, where can content be made where, um, there's still personality in it and we can still connect in a way that no other format can and I was like that's definitely through conversation so I started looking around and podcasts were the answer there was this massive podcast movement in America like you said Ricky Gervais had been doing his podcast I think from since 2005 so there was proof of concept and then I was like what do I like talking about yeah yeah 2005 yeah he was well ahead of the game Uh, So I was just like I like tech so let's have a conversation about technology and and, you know I think that's the whole essence of How to Kill an Hour is not necessarily us just geeking out about numbers and megabytes and megapixels but you know it's kind of like how does technology integrate itself into (laughs) our day to day life so the way me and Funk talk about it it's like you know funk will tell you it. he'll be like oh i tried out this pair of headphones they sounded good because of this they they worked well they you know whereas funk knows about frequencies yeah. and what's that thing called in music funk where you make the the you do it in your songs all the time where like the, the bass line sounds good but the beat still punches through it what's it called that the well, name side, for it sidechain, side side that's it Sidechain i don't know what that is but sidechain and stuff like that but funk will explain it in a way that makes sense do you know what i mean <laughs> so how
1: did you two get together then did you know each other
3: from just being around clubs and stuff? Yeah, I mean, we've we've known each other obviously because uh, the kind of the DJ circuit, especially in the UK, yeah. is like, it's pretty small. It's, yeah. uh, it's really, you're bumping into each other like a couple of times in the week on the weekends or you're... Um, I mean, this is kind of before social media is like a, a big part of a DJ's kind of infrastructure. so. It's not like we're we're engaging as much online, but um, if we're if we're having to send each other music and, and all that, if, if someone's yes. on radio and you have to send that person uh music for to play on radio, then you'd probably build up a relationship like that. So
1: yeah,
3: it's almost like you have an awareness of the person before you meet them. So yeah. like I knew of Marcus and then he knew of me, and yeah. then um, I think we we bumped into each other when I was at at Iron Napa, and then 100%. saw each other again at Isle of Wight Festival when I was on KISS. And yeah, then yeah. and then I think um, Marcus started the tech podcast. And then what I liked about it was that it didn't assume that I would have to have, like, this overwhelming experience of tech to kind of join it. It was very yeah. light-hearted, and, and it was supposed to be able to connect that dots of a, a lay person who still struggles to put the scart lead in the back of the TV, that kind of knowledge and bridging that into the world of of, of tech. So
0: yeah.
3: The first time I went on there, I just had a, a great laugh and then uh, with, with Marcus and, and Ace and then invited me back on and then we you just kind of like built on from there. But I mean my memory's terrible. How many years ago was that? That's like it's probably twenty sixteen
2: 2016 yeah because um, we were I think we were at like studio number two because the first studio basically got knocked down and turned into flats about two weeks after we started the podcast so
3: <laughs> I, I, yeah I, I so we, we we're in studio number two yeah I kind of calculated by I had one kid then <laughs> I've got three, oh my god I've, I've, I've got three I've got three now <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, uh, that's,
2: that's my, me- yeah, that's so, my measurement yeah and I think (laughs) and I think when like like you said Frank I just want to second that when you came on the podcast it was like there was just a chemistry and energy and and level of fun that we had yeah where it was just like we we need to keep doing this we need to we need to keep coming together and like you know what's fun is that as well as being able to just talk freely about tech we've had real control over the editorial over the years so we've been able to go in directions that kind of stray outside of technology yeah. or kind of a, a digressions, but I think it's not taken away from the show or our core listenership. It's definitely brought, you know, more to the table. I mean, for example, you know, a big standout episode that we had with some clips in it that really I'd say had impact before summer of 2020 actually it was when we had Cammy on the show in 2019. Um, and we had a real in-depth conversation with him about a little bit about technology Uh, a little bit about his music and then we spoke about his experience as a black footballer and what he said to us and I just remember I thinking geez he was like I've been doing this since the late 70s so I think it it, it led into a direction where I think uh, Frank asked some fabulous questions where we just spoke about how football has changed and what hasn't changed with regards to racism in football Um, and it made for probably some of the it was some. It was one of the most interesting, uh, I'd say, kind of a, a points of view because he's, you know, he's been in the game for 40 years. Wow. So that was a, that, and that's and that's really important for us as a show. We can be fun and jovial, but then we can also, you know, have a guest on and have a conversation with them that I don't think anyone else could have. So that's a super important thing yeah. about How to Kill Now is that like there's freedom to kind of take it in a direction. And Funk will always say to me like, "Oh, well, I've got a couple of questions here that I think." these will be good questions for this guest or this will be good questions for that guest and stuff. And, you know, you never fail to, to deliver funk when it comes to that kind of stuff.
1: <laughs> He's always got something good to say. <coughs> or, um, he, has, he whenever... has. Yeah, or tweet. We'll get into that. <laughs> um, well, I listened to your award-winning episode and... A lot of things really stuck out to me, which I can't remember now because my memory's so bad. Right. I was listening to it while I was running, and you do always say really good things, Funk. Like not to take anything away from anyone else, but you always make me think, "Oh God, yeah." But the one thing that someone said was that it's like when you're a black person going into a scenario, mm-hmm. you're kind of pitted against yeah. each other. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I was like that's how women feel as well. Uh, Not to take anything away, but I I was like, yeah, I know that, because you do feel like when you're the only one or, like, one of many few, you're then kind of... And it's weird because it's not, you're not told like, you need to be wary of that person or you need to kind of fight against them, but that's how you're made to feel.
3: Yeah.
1: Do you know what I mean? By the kind of powers that be or whatever, but I was like, yes!
3: Yeah. And I think, especially uh, off the back of What's happened last year and previously, a lot of the conversations I've had with with women in music and understanding that there is a lot of synergy between the black experience and the woman's experience within like our industry and the entertainment industry in the sense of you're kind of told there's a quota of how many is allowed from your group to represent your group because yes. yeah. once you've we've got that that metric that measure that measurement year the company, the organisation can turn outwards and be like, yeah, we've got these people. Yeah, yeah, they're here. Look, let's bring them all out. One, two, three, four. You can yeah. count. Yep. <laughs> all right. And if we're really good, they all come in a variation of colours, like like, oh, yeah. like like, Benetton. Like, get the Benetton out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, you kind of have an awareness of, like, even in that regard, the range is limited because yeah. there's only, I mean there's the 50% of the population of the world is is female kind of thing. And if an organization isn't thinking in that regard and they're just thinking of ticking that box or ticking that quota in the same way they would they would do when it comes to diversity on race, then the range is always stifled. So um, just kind of connecting that experience. And I think that that comes from having a, a place of, I've been in the game for like, over 10, 15 years, Marcus has the same. And even yourself, Amy, you you know about the music industry as well yourself, and kind of having that understanding. When you talk to someone on that regard, I think, especially when it comes to speaking to, to people like Cami, or when we spoke to... um. um, um Jasmine, say Jeff, yeah. Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Because he knew he was talking to other people who had an experience of the music industry, and he's not talking to a lay person, he could... could drop subtle nuances that we would pick up very quickly and the same with Cami, kind of thing so it helps the flow of conversation when you're kind of in that space of like I mean because generally speaking if you put a a like quote-unquote celeb in the room with someone who doesn't work in that field they're just going to look at it through rose tinted glasses oh my god you're so lucky you know what I mean whereas we know that there's a lot of difficulty, there's a lot of biting your tongue, there's a lot of all that stuff involved in it that the general person won't see because they see that oh you're so lucky to be doing that job that you love and get paid for it. Oh you're you're so fortunate and da 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 yeah. thing. So having those conversations in a in a surrounding where the the, the message is picked up immediately, it kind of helps the flow. And yeah what's what's been good for me I feel coming into the situation with Marcus is that I was always looking to kind of diversify my skill set beyond just DJing and producing. I was like, you know what, if I want to be in this game, or even remotely, quote unquote, relevant uh, to the kids in, in years to come, I need to have other uh, strings to my bow. So presenting is a real skill set. And I didn't really kind of pay it as much um, respect in my earlier years because when you're on pirate radio the only time you touch the mic is when you want to read out the phone number or <laughs> or say that there's tickets to a rave on the weekend but yeah. when you actually learn the art of presenting talking, being coherent um, and, and just really thinking at the same speed that your brain thinks as well because the first yeah. time, like when I went to KISS and and I had to talk on the mic in between to kind of link the tracks and give the information. You didn't realise how many times you say like or um, or <laughs> and and you have to try and get all of that out of your your day to day vocabulary. And yeah, it's very very difficult to kind of slow down your brain and talk and learn because when you when you kind of listen back to your um your recordings or your podcast the the evening or the, the or the or the day after, it sounds like. It's it's it, it's everywhere. It's in every yeah. <laughs> every time you talk, the hands or the arms or the or so on and so forth. So, being in that setting with Marcus, it, it allowed me to kind of grow in that skill set and be a lot more professional and a, a bit more confident in that arena.
1: How do you do that? Because I say um. <laughs> all the time and I can hear myself doing it but not until this after I've done it and it's like how do you stop yourself from doing that you know
3: the weirdest thing is yeah I don't think it's like see I've just done it then <laughs> it's a necessity <laughs> for every aspect of broadcasting but I think on some in some broadcasting spaces when you're trying to be I guess um uh, have a consistent flow of 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 your of your kind of your speech, that that break in your talking it be, it it can kind of really seep into the listener's um, experience and it becomes a little bit like oh why are they stopping every five minutes because they haven't really formulated what they want to say, and then in other spaces, um, if you're listening to like a a podcast which is kind of got a very informal setting, it's at the pub or it's in the like it's between friends, then you can kind of have that nature of it's supposed to create the environment that they know each other and they're, they're talking in a, in a way where, um, like where the fly on the wall, so to speak. So you can yeah. get away with having that style of conversation, but it is good to have both because there's certain times I've subconsciously um said to myself, I'm not ready for because channel four yeah. might have seen a tweet or, um, um, uh, BBC Two might have seen the tweet and said, "I oh, want to, we need to come on the news and talk." And I'm like, mm, "Nah, I'm not ready." Yeah. Just because of the way I feel, yeah, how it would come across in in my ability to kind of be coherent yeah. and and fluid and so on and so forth. So I'll I'll come back to you when I when I sound yeah. like more like James O'Brien kind of thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your um, ground making twitter experience over the last year so firstly
3: here we go
1: <laughs> you've always been dj producer house music yeah. what, how did you get into it all you've been doing it from how long have i known you i was trying to figure this out today actually because when did you used to come to Forward or did i meet you at rinse
3: both I played. It, I played it forward, and I met you at a really. You did play it forward, yes. Yeah. You did play it
1: forward. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's been what fifteen years? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Before well, I you did. didn't have any kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Childless. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Good old days.
3: <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think I've come up through the the whole, um, the 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 kind of the whole normal narrative of pirate radio into more commercial radio streams and so on and so forth but at that time we're we're like i don't know um early 20s kind of thing late teens and we're we're doing this pirate radio thing but there's no set of there's no plan there's no sort of this is this is what you do in your early part of your career that's when you take it to this part of the career and then as you go on how you retire the kind of skill sets yeah. that you need to have there's no model there's no structure for it so yeah when you're kind of doing the whole DJing experience you have to be very fortunate to kind of lock on to those individuals in the industry who have something that you kind of can enhance you like oh they've got good business acumen or I like the way they talk or oh he runs a label or you know what I mean so I didn't start off as a producer. So I started off as a DJ and I felt like I needed to become a producer or I needed to own a record label to kind of give myself an edge over the market because at every point within the kind of the UK music scene, everything gets saturated. Then you get to a point where uh, I think it happens with most DJs and and Marcus can attest to it with the radio. You become a bit disillusioned with the Mm. industry that you're part of. It's it's not giving you back what you, you feel like. You had in the beginning so i've always been someone who's kind of been like quite vocal and 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 what about the things that i've seen in the music industry and then that's how i've been able to use my my social media because for me and it's different some people use social media to market what they already do but i i see social media to for you to see a, a side of me that you may not be able to see if you play a record you know what I mean? That's just a tune, like, um I'm into football. I like I've got crap dad tri- Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah, Me, yeah. Ball is life. <laughs> <laughs> Ball is life. <laughs> Jesus <laughs>
2: When you were first allowed back on the a side pitches, funk, the delight yeah. in your social media yeah. was very apparent. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was I felt like you've not been that excited since you went to a theme park. It looked like the excitement
3: <laughs> What was it like your first game back? I was like this, you know, with the with the metal cup at the the door, waiting for my, <laughs> <laughs> waiting to be let out. Yeah, but um, it's um that transition into kind of articulating my personality, it's kind of garnered that image of me being that that vocal champion and talking yeah. about stuff and whatnot. But the the weirdest thing is, I'm I'm not trying to put anyone on on blast here, but. A lot of the music industry share the same perspectives that I, I do as well, because you'll talk to them on the phone and be like, oh, yeah, yeah. But they just... The, I think what it is about social media that is quite intimidating is that you get one word wrong in that 140 characters, it's like... Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, it's, it's curtains. It's
3: curtains, it's draped, it's, it's Venetian blinds, it's a lot. <laughs> So, someone said to me, like, last year, he goes, ah, I think it's you, Marcus, because goes, you've clocked Twitter. And I was like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it was a video game. I like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I've been able to condense my larger thoughts into small bite-sized things, and they just fire out. Some of them are very random, some of them make sense, and I link them all in a thread, and yeah that's that's how i've been able to engage with people and that kind of led on to that mixmag magazine and the thing with that mixmag magazine is that you you know you're onto something when you just say something and it starts getting the retweets because it's clearly things that as a as a community other people are thinking but they haven't thought to kind of put out there so
1: so come on then tell us tell us about your quest to make the world a better place um, <laughs> Which you're smashing.
3: Yeah, I mean, I just, I think, for me, I, I, like when people meet me, they probably have a perception before meeting me that I'm going to be this really serious. Like, don't say that, don't do that. I'm very light-hearted. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a clown at best. I'm, a, I'm. But I think you can have both worlds where you do, you're doing the right thing, and you can have a laugh. I don't think yeah. I have to be really like a like a um like a suit like really rigid and 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 not understanding the um the kind of the gray areas of of, of life kind of thing is we i have a i have a very um comprehensive understanding that the world isn't black and white, but when people meet me, they're a bit shocked like, oh what well, yeah, you can have a laugh you can yeah, but the way I come across on this this kind of this battle charge of don't do this don't do that kind of I think they're getting misconstrued, but I feel like you have to be able to do both you have to be yeah. able to kind of um affect the change in the in the parts of the industry that have been wrong for years and such as the the treatment of of black professionals or the treatment of women and so on and so forth yeah and you can enjoy yourself at the same time kind of thing you yeah. can do both but um it's it's um I think my humor and my take on it has probably been been the key to kind of take it a little bit further where it doesn't appear as it's full on in your face too preachy. Kind yeah. Of. So I think that's probably to um, uh, 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 my benefit, but we'll see where it goes, really. Yeah.
1: So what happened with Mixmag?
3: So the Mixmag situation was me looking at things which I've always felt with the music industry and the music industry infrastructure where I mean, you know, Amy, you've been in and around so many talented black uh, producers and so on and so forth. And yeah. what they're able to do in the industry as opposed to some of the, the white artists in the industry is very different. So yeah. it's it's the way the industry has been, has been, I guess, designed at a stage. And then what's happened is that it's probably carried on for so long, it's just become convention. Do you know what yeah. I mean? it's, it's a little bit like if you watch some of the old um kind of stuff like alf stuff and at at, at that time yeah it was just funny or some of the carry-on films it's like yeah you just have a laugh and then fast forward to 2021 it's like oh wow was we laughing at that stuff Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah i mean so even 90s films, like I've watched 90s films uh, with the
3: kids, and they're so racist and sexy, yeah. I, I'm shocked. They're trying to... Like, but to, I remember watching this... They're trying
1: to ban friends. And... <laughs> they're trying to ban friends,
3: apparently. <laughs> really? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like, some of it, I agree with, some of it is is a case of, yeah, it's a bit political correctness gone mad, but who am I to talk? At, at some stage, everyone is going to be offended by everything, but... Yeah with common sense, you can begin to say, see that some things obviously take more priority than others. Do you know what I mean? So I tend to speak on the things which I feel are are more of a priority. And then the other stuff, I would rather just learn and understand from other people who, do you know what I mean? So when I put out those tweets, it was more a case of like getting the industry to switch on and be like, okay, cool. I was just asking open-ended questions, not accusing anyone of anything.
1: So what, what were you asking?
3: So I was basically saying that the first one I put up, which is the one which kind of led to Annie Mack and, and Caitlin Moran kind of retweeting was saying that how come um, black, um, black women in house music had some records, but had never been seen in the videos or credited in the artwork yeah. or, and and I just left it like that. And yeah. And I kind of built the case through my threads, but I didn't kind of say, it's this one, it's this one, it's this one. I allowed people to kind of formulate their own opinions. And that's yeah. how I feel, from my perspective, I feel that's probably how you get you get the most fruitful responses because yeah. you're allowing people to kind of work out, does this make sense to you? If it does, okay, cool. If it doesn't, let's look, let's look deeper into it. And that led to Mixmag reaching out to me and they said, um, oh, we saw your friend Annie Mac retweeted it. Um, So they emailed me and they said, um, uh, Patrick, who is the, he's the digital um, editor. So he's a digital writer there. And the guy that works above him is called Seb Wheeler. And Patrick messaged me and he said, "Um, would you like to write a feature on this article, black women? And I was like, yeah, but, this is a bit of a, a bigger issue than me writing something, that's your content, and then you you disappear, kind yeah. of thing.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, I yeah. said to him,
3: I tell you what, let me have the whole magazine. And he, <laughs> do you know when the email goes quiet, it's like, <laughs> it's,
2: it's,
1: like
3: a, it's like a tennis rally, and then all of a sudden it just goes dead, it's like, hello, like, you still there? So he messaged me back, he goes, I'm, I'm gonna chat to, um seven and, and see what he says so at this time the mixed mag magazine was still in circulation and then what happened the week after they furloughed the, the the physical magazine so i was like oh okay all right fair enough i mean yeah it's like this is a serious issue but people have lost their jobs and it's a tough time and i completely understand it and then he said he came back to me goes no no we understand what's happening what's what's going on at the moment in the world with George Floyd, and like, we want to do this. It will just be digital. I said, like, okay, cool. So, I went away, and I literally, I I tried to make it as black as possible. I got a black woman to design the artwork, the logo. I got um, black female journalists to write. So, I was reaching out to some people I knew in the scene to kind of highlight them, whether it be Scratcher or the Circle Boys. Um, I was reaching out to people I didn't know as well, and I, I, I had the meeting with him the, the next week and I literally, it's like being back at university. I was like, you've got an assignment. I was like, okay, cool, got yeah. prepared. So I didn't want to look like, like some rookie.
1: That is a massive thing to undertake.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know?
1: That's the, massive. The
3: thing, the thing that is is—is—is is tough about it is that I had to do all of that during a lockdown. So yeah. some, of, some of the guys, they didn't have press shots and I've got to add a little camera knocking around the, a DSLR and I'd have to drive take as many shots of them, drive back home, and all that kind of stuff, edit it, get onto Photoshop on YouTube, don't know how to use Photoshop properly, doing all that stuff. <laughs> then I'm then I'm writing as well. I'm writing some of the features. Um, some of the features, um, um, the budget wasn't that great because obviously people have been laid off, but I, yeah. I would have done, done it for free anyway. So, yeah. like, but, so I was doing a lot of the features that some people couldn't do. But for me, I think what what drove me was the fact that if I could have a display, it's similar to like what what Marcus has done with the podcast. Once you have a product, a well-polished, well-oiled product, then you silence everyone. So when you've got How To Kill An Hour and it's just like, prior to that, people say, oh, oh, did black people do it? Are they even into tech? Uh, It's just like hip-hop, don't they? It's like, well, they're like... Just like music. Yeah, so... yeah, just like music, just like like general pop 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 culture. And then when he presents that with these metrics behind it, it's just like, oh, oh yeah. cool. So me doing that, and I was the black editor of it kind of thing, I was like, this is what it looks like. And I had limited resources and so on and so forth. So I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes or, or try and call myself a writer or anything like that. But this is, it should put the battery in a lot of, Um, other companies backs to hire someone from outside the space, because I think the most amazing part of it is that I'm not a writer and I'm not a journalist and for them to bring out an outside entity into the organisation, it's like um, Gordon Ramsay bringing off a man off the street to run his kitchen. It's just like, it could go, it could go anywhere. Do you know what I mean? It could be amazing or it could go, it could go um, Pete Tong. But um, so just, Doing that, I think it 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 just was supposed to highlight. If people are paying attention, supposed to highlight the the capacity of people around us. You know what I mean? You don't always have to yeah. kind of go out, or you could be like, oh well, I know Amy. Amy's my mate. Amy can do this for me, rather than having to go just testing the waters. A lot closer okay. to home, you can build like amazing things. So yeah, and then I got nominated for like. Best editorial of the year, and in amongst, <laughs> in amongst like CNN and Business Insider, and I was like,
1: What? It's amazing. Yeah, that
3: was like, That's crazy. So, like Marcus, I don't care if I win. I was like, This is,
1: yeah, yeah <laughs> what an achievement. Yeah. What an achievement. Yeah. Yeah. You should be so proud 100%. of yourself. Thank you. And the, everything you've done since then as well, you're still, I mean, how many people have blocked you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: It is, that, yeah, yeah. Isn't that isn't that the best? That's the best metric Did you Chris can Morgan have on Twitter, isn't it? Is you. how yeah, many yeah. people have blocked
3: you? Yeah, yeah. Just
2: best,
1: just get that yeah. on
3: a shirt <laughs> blocked me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and um, Ricked. didn't you so you got people to recognise because um, well, I was listening on the radio the other day, and a woman has written a book about the women in house music. Yeah, yeah. House music. yeah, just coming out now i think and i
3: was like that's what funk did yeah yeah and, and i mean i'm i'm happy i mean I, I can never tell but i'm happy that the conversation because when i sent that initial tweet um kelly lee um is an amazing housing and she's done loads of tracks for uh Duke and Jack jones and, and so on and so forth and her situation it kind of resonated with her of she's got number one records but nobody yeah. knew her name and
1: yeah
3: a guardian article got written off of the tweet that I wrote and it was just like, like a fireworks got, got
0: yeah. off
3: in all different directions. And I liked that fact that it made a lot of people's other conversations away from what I was doing. It made it a little bit easier kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I did, a I did a, uh, a seminar, like a kind of like a webinar thing for this platform called access all areas at Tile Yard. And, um, Oh, for life of me, I forgot his name. But he worked for Hospital Records, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, the 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 kind of like the the CEO of Hospital Records, he he said to me, "The way you handled your thing with Simon Dunmore was amazing. Like the way you you were able to kind of hold him accountable, but in a way which is a, was quite respectful and tactful kind of thing. I really enjoyed that, and I felt like that encouraged me to learn a bit more." And I was like, yeah. it's, it's a very fine line where you kind of, almost like you reprimand someone, but not to the degree where they kind of, they they shirk all responsibility and they don't, they don't want to engage in the conversation um, anymore. So, I mean, yeah. credit to Simon anyway, it's probably a very difficult thing.
1: Well, the aim is to get people to realise mm-hmm. what they've done and yeah. change their behaviour. Yeah. You? you don't yeah. just want to attack people mm-hmm. so they just disappear and, exactly. you know. You want
3: to get them to think about it. Yeah, yeah. So getting him to do that and even, eat, like when I, I did the the documentary for, um, it was supposed to be for BBC Three, on the the women and, and they who've been abused in the music industry, the Untold Stories, when I was on yeah. that. Um, having my face on that documentary was probably just a way to kind of encourage more men to kind of stand alongside the women in that space and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. a lot of it is just to identify what what my role is in the, I guess the wider music community, not that it's a big thing, but if it's I can set off a ripple effect yeah. and what that butterfly effect can grow into, then yeah, I think sometimes the perspective of change that I've noticed from an online perspective is that you've got to do this big, I don't know, go to the third world country and build like, I don't know, like a giant house. Ha- do you know what I mean? Something grand and it doesn't have to, yeah. you can start local and start to build out from that perspective, kind of thing and.
1: I think that's more important, changing your surrounds, like the little changes that you make every day then affect other things, don't they?
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what they say charity starts at home, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, they
1: mm.
3: come do me washing up on one. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> There, you local. I I've, I've bring my marigolds. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, what's next with the podcast?
3: I think,
2: I think for us, it's definitely world got domination.
1: To be,
2: yeah. yeah, world domination. I think, more yeah, awards. world tour, yeah. more awards. Do you know what? I, th- I think what would be really nice is to is to get on the road a bit more. So, something that we've experimented with over the years is is taking the format. visual areas not just recording the podcast but creating bits of content so for example where did we go in europe funk i can't remember for that star wars thing where he's doing the star wars drones
3: Uh, oh wow i want to say belgium i think (laughs) yes
2: belgium that's it yeah Yeah. so there's i think yeah that's it you know he's right i think when 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 there's events when events start happening again in some capacity across the world i'd like us to do more traveling i think we had some Some real fun times just getting on the road, meeting up with other people who are creating content in other parts of the world um, and also teaming up with other other brands as well. I think Ubisoft done something, which is Black Gamer Pros, uh, which is a movement that they've created where they've actually, it's, it's another example of what Mixmag done with Funk. They've given some people access to their resources and they've enabled them to create a support structure to help encourage people to get involved in gaming or technology yeah. or kind of any editorial output in that area. So I'd like to do some more stuff like that. And then, and then I think, you know, just, just to keep churning out stuff as tech comes along. I mean, what do you, what do you reckon Funk? What's next? Flying cars? Yeah. Real hoverboards?
3: <laughs> I think um just the way that we've been able to kind of like break those firsts as well. remember when we went
1: Chesterton
0: yeah <laughs> ah,
3: yeah. And, 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 yeah and um uh
1: what did you do at Chessington
3: what was he doing at Chessington he was trying out that um Derren Brown thing in it
2: S- so it's a Derren Brown a brand new ride from Derren Brown which was using it's the f- it was the first ever use of virtual reality combined oh, wow. with real life physical movement so, so it, it's it? it's yeah, and you know Darren Brown, he messes with you anyway. So even at the start, whilst, as soon as we got into the start of the ride, there's a presentation from, uh, and this won't spoil it, a hologram of Darren Brown, but somehow his hologram is doing things that only someone that was there could do. Oh. So it just throws it throws you straight away, and then using a combination of smells, uh, sounds, all of the senses, he takes you on a on a on a horrific experience, and um. <laughs> I mean it's it was something that I've never be, like we we weren't able we weren't able to like you know show you what happened on it but the but everyone came out was like perspiring in a way that I've <laughs> only seen
1: <laughs>
2: from from that ride it was it was something different so yeah do do more stuff like that that was a load of that was a load of fun funk as well you always get um, to do
1: good stuff didn't you you always get to go to exciting things
2: yeah i think i well, think that's part of well
1: the world of, went tits up yeah
2: yeah, I think that's that's important for us is, you know, if we're going to be doing gadgets and tech, let's make sure we do the fun yeah. stuff as well. It's really important for me to have a laugh. And like I said, we're not and this is not me slighting anyone who's a tech journalist uh, who wants to talk about the megapixels or, you know, uh, the, the know aperture of the camera or what <laughs> 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 stuff like that. For for us, it's kind of that's important, but it's also important with regards to the experiential side of it. Like Twitter is an extremely complex place. But the way that Funk negotiates it with his tweets, for example, <laughs> that's the conversation about tech and gadgets that is is amazing. So, yeah, for us more of that, I'd like to just have more fun on the show. I'd like to see everyone more. I'd like us all yeah. in the room again when it's safe together at the same time. And I'd like to do more interviews with artists and actors and content creators who who don't really get to talk to people like myself and Funk yeah. and the team. I mean, like, like, you know, like you said, Jazzy Jeff was so, it, f- it felt like it was almost a breath of fresh air yeah. for him to be in a room with two people who were, you know, knowledgeable, asking the right questions, but also, you know, he was more comfortable with, because I feel like a lot of the time when people get carted around to do press, it's, it's sometimes with journalists that, you know, maybe they've got a busy day, Maybe yeah. they've been assigned it, but we've got passion for all of the guests that we have. Yeah, I think more more of the stuff that we used to do in the before time yeah. as well. That's How what I, that's what I'd be up for.
1: Have you been all this? Have you been all right?
2: You've still been. i all... You've still been still <laughs> busy, haven't you? Yeah. I've been all right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I enjoyed it more than uh, before lockdown, but um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm if I want to talk to somebody, Funk will tell you I'll pick up the phone and I'll call them. Yeah. Um. if I'm very I'm very comfortable with just having a level of communication so I think because I'm I'm fine with doing that I've not been as uh, hit as hard as some other people who maybe, you know physical contact is the only kind of way that yeah. they like to converse with others but I've been good man I think it's I think the great thing about this is again to swing around to the tech side of things so like the fact that n- zoom is the norm now yeah you know the fact that certain companies would say oh we'd love to have work from home you know we'd love to have that happening with our staff but it could be a three-year transition process the fact that they did it in eight weeks just goes to show that (laughs) we have the infrastructure we have we have the right tech you know we can we can make things happen remotely I mean look Funk did editorial for uh for 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 Blackout Mixmag did it during lockdown, yeah. do you know, what I mean, we've we've done a, a, a bunch of campaigns during lockdown without any physical contact with anyone. So I think it's been a good way of showing that we can do things remotely. Yeah. And I'm—I'll be honest, I'm a fan of wearing tracksuit bottoms instead of <laughs> jeans. Yeah. I like the fact
1: I've—I've <laughs> I've worn jeans oh, about yes. five times
2: in the last six months. And I've also learned something I've
1: else
2: bought as well. So many tracksuits. Oh, really? Oh, is it? okay? Oh, I was going to say yeah, I bought loads of tracksuits this, as well. But yeah,
1: love it. They call
2: it—they call it loungewear now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, lounge Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is that about? <laughs> I don't
2: know. I've also I've also learned that I can I cannot only eat one biscuit. Uh, I've learned that lesson too. Actually, <laughs> so you had know what? Biscuits funk? or
1: chocolate for twenty seven days.
2: Really? <sighs> wow! Wow!
1: Because I've eaten so much over lockdown, <laughs> I was like, I need because I can't eat one packet of biscuits. <laughs> I like two packets of biscuits. <laughs> So,
2: yeah, that's class. That's class. But, yeah, didn't your son ask for a biscuit when you were on live radio or TV? Funk,
1: yeah. What, was, oh, my goodness,
3: yeah. I was on, um, <laughs> <laughs> who was I talking to? Uh, BBC Five Live, yeah. And, um, <laughs> my, my youngest Zane walked in and he asked for a biscuit as I'm on there live on there. I was like, oh my word. <laughs>
1: That's been so cute yeah. though, with all the news presenters
3: and
2: everything that their kids have run in or their cats. Or... It has yeah. been nice to see like a human side. Yeah, to, yeah. Um, It is, people. 100%. I mean, yeah. I mean, it doesn't harm anyone. If the cat runs around in the background, you're like, oh, yeah, it's the cat. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's cool. It's cool. But yeah, so for us, I, just, I also want more people to be creating content. One thing that's been amazing over the last year or so is we've seen so many new podcasts, so many yes. new YouTube channels, so many new streamers. And I'm here for it. Like a lot yeah. of people go, oh, you know, do you not feel like there's a sense of competition? I'm like, nah, nah, not at all. The same way there are areas. Oh, there we go. On on cue. We've got one of the kids popping in. But uh, there we go. So in the same way that, you know, when you have an area in, in, in we, everyone has an area where there's loads of restaurants. You find that the more that there are people around or the more, the more that you have going on, the more that it attracts customers do you know what i mean yeah. you know when you have a curry mile with 10 curry shops they're all busy mm, yeah, all yeah, the time yeah so I, i'm like i'm here for it and you know if yeah. anyone wants any advice on podcasts or any content creation i'm i'm here to deliver it you know that's i, I, w- I want more people doing this I'll i want more people having number. control of the editorial <laughs> maybe not that but
1: uh... <laughs> 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 oh know. thank you so much for no coming on finally. Yeah, sorry
3: it took so long, yeah.
1: No, that's honestly you've been doing better things. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I love talking to you, you're trying to save the world. It's amazing. What what what's next on your agenda? Who are you going for next? <laughs> let,
3: me, let me get my book at Prime Minister.
2: Yeah. Prime
1: Minister. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, I love that. Has he blocked you yet? <laughs> Do
3: you know, I was chatting to um Keir Starmer the other week actually, so Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Didn't Jeremy Corbyn follow you? I, I DJ'd for Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, wow. <laughs> I DJ'd for him when they had the, the Labour rally in Glasgow. They paid for. What yeah. <laughs> <laughs> paid
1: your expenses. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Get, get caught up in one of those cash for, cash for questions yeah. candles. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: was he lovely? No, he's
3: really nice. He's a really nice guy. Um. And, um, it's just interesting kind of being in that dynamic of um i haven't <laughs> I don't think I want to I haven't spoken to Boris, but I've spoken to Kia, <laughs> spoken to 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 Jeremy, and just understanding yeah. what I pick up from their energy and what the press picks up says about them is very yes. interesting yeah yeah
1: um
3: but I think in in essence, if you understand politics, then you understand the music business, so because I, yeah, because yeah, I understand the kind of the the nature of the the business side of of music. When I've been in those political spaces, because my job now at at PRS Foundation, that's <laughs> that's quite like political in this, in essence. You're talking to partners, and they're representing different um, aspects of United Kingdom, and they've got their budgets, and they've got their vested interests for their budgets, and so on and so forth, and that's been really interesting as well, kind of thing. So I, what I'm actually looking forward to is travelling the United Kingdom because there's, yeah. there's, something, there's something about the, what the, the stories are about the musicians coming out of the United Kingdom and, and why they're coming in for money for their specific genre and what has been um, the hardships for those groups. That's made me want to go. Oh, do you know what? I, I really want to get over to Northern Ireland, or I really want to get up to Scotland, or I really want to go to Wales to so f- kind of really understand. Because sometimes you can kind of get in a bit caught in that M twenty five bubble, and you be yeah. like, yeah, no, well, I've got my Uber eats down the road and got my, cre- <laughs> my creature comforts, and I, I don't want to leave here. But um, I think it's. Um, I think I've had that bug from when I was at Rince and. I'd, yeah. be, I'd be DJing and someone would say, oh, I want to book you for Rome. I was like, what, me? Rome? Okay. Yeah. But yeah. But, um, I don't, I, like, someone asked me the other day, um, do you still have a love for DJing? And I thought to myself, I don't know. I think because I've kind of gone into different areas with my career, I I I like the fact that I can be a bit more useful with my platform doing these things obviously I'm still going to make yeah. and and DJ and so on and so forth but being able to unlock um very difficult parts of um I guess the, the common consciousness with through conversation like I didn't really respect talk radio until my later years kind of thing and then when you understand talk radio a lot more I mean I'm I'm in the car and i'm listening to to like l b c and and all that kind of stuff just and even listening to things which which you don't agree with as well is quite, is quite in yeah. enhancing of oh okay, well, there are people that think this and okay i don't i don't agree with it, but I can kind of see where that that person's coming from with that gripe or do you know what I mean but um, I think there just needs to be a, a whole level of understanding that that has to happen kind of thing. And some of the conversations have happened probably too much behind closed doors. Yeah. Which is why like as a whole, we don't really know that much about one another, let, let alone yeah. the, the men and the women, kind of thing. Like as a society, we don't really know as much as we, we should do. But
0: yeah. social
3: media is is I think has been brilliant for that. It's it's been that way of well, Twitter for me is is there's there's no way you'll be able to identify what's going on in someone else's mind on a on a given day because they'll just put it out there like oh i think this blah 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 you like, okay cool that's interesting yeah
1: well thank you thank you for doing what you do So appreciate it (laughs)
2: No, I reckon that's Funk's gonna surprising. get that o, that OBE MBE gonna get the email yeah. through the, the letter through the post.
1: Yeah, but will you take it? Yeah, that's play, the yeah. I was gonna say, that's the next that's question. question. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Don't we? laughs>
0: not
1: that I'd ever be on it. But, but i do have it I would. It's all a bit
3: weird, isn't it? Yeah. I mean it it's is weird, is. isn't it? It's, yeah. It's weird as to whether or not you fix yourself do you define the award or does the award define you kind of thing? Yeah. Other... Yeah.
1: yeah. I suppose it's what it leads to, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: Secret handshakes and...
1: Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Blindfolds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so, so much. Nah, I've really enjoyed it. And it's so lovely to see your faces. Me you too. Oh, hopefully I'll see you in real life soon. Yeah, yeah
2: yeah let's make that a target let's let's see each other in real yeah. life as well yes. i want to do that with more people this year 100 <laughs> percent.
1: and i'll share links to everything obviously
2: brilliant thank you You're yeah right. we'll share it too
3: Yay. all right all right
2: have there a good are. one cheers though
1: Bye. Bye. hi so yes um that was them this is me i'm not with it today we're knee-deep in summer holidays at the moment, as I record this, and I'm working whilst trying to entertain the kids, and it's all a bit, we're going away, so I need to kind of get everything done before we go away. It's one of them ones, and I'm all a bit, what day is it? But yes, if you've not listened to the podcast before, I've had so many amazing people. Last week, I had Angela Hunt, who um, wrote New York State of Mind, talking about what it's like being a recording artist, songwriter, and mum. I've had Gail Porter on. I've had um, the Two Girls, One Shop girls, Charlie and Nina, talking all about their experiences working in the sex shop for years. They do a wonderful podcast, so i check that out as well. My mate Jane came on, talking about running naked. I've had loads of amazing people on, so please check out other episodes. Work. Subscribe. Stay safe and sane and get in touch if you've got anyone that you'd like to hear on the podcast and get in touch. All right. Take care. Have a lovely day. Bye.
0: Hold up. What was that?